We've been studying together from Matthew chapter 5 on the Sermon on the Mount. And we're working through this section that we know as the Beatitudes. I don't know about you, but I grew up in church and I remember hearing the word Beatitudes used and I had no idea what the word beatitude means, but it really means a blessing, a blessing. And so our theme here, we've got a picture to help us think about it, is the blessed life, the blessed life. The life that God wants us to live is a life of blessing, a life of hope, a life of help that comes from Him. But as we've already begun looking at these beatitudes together, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the things that God says bring about a blessed life are not really the things that this world says will give you a blessed life. Amen. If we were to think about it, what would be some things? Let's, let's have an interactive moment here for a second, all right? So this isn't just for you to think. I want you to talk back to me a little bit here. In, a, in the culture we live in today, what are some things that this world says will give you a blessed or a happy life? Joe? Money. Money. Okay, that's a big one. What's something else? Good health. Yeah. Electricity. Electricity, yes. <laughs> Especially means a lot when you don't have it, right? Pleasure, right? Pleasure. Anybody else? These are all good. <laughs> education. Boy, the way to a blessed life is education. Anybody else have any thoughts? Fame, yeah. Everybody wants fame. Not everybody, but some are like, I don't want any fame at all. But there are some people who really want fame, right? A lot of things, and I know we could add more. you have another one? Anybody? Prestige, yeah. Health, people thought of as important. These are all things that the world says, these will give you a blessed life. And I would say all of these things that have been listed can bring some measure of blessing or happiness to your life. So why are these things not included in the list that God gives? Well, Scripture speaks about pleasure, for example, and it says the pleasures of sin last for how long? A season. Just a little bit of time. It may feel like a lot of time when you're in the middle of it, but when it's over, you go, oh, that didn't last very long. And I would say all of these things, we could pick on health, right? You might have good health right now. You may be looking to get good health right now. But health is something that, fle that, that is fleeting. It comes and it goes. Money is something that comes and it goes. Fame is something. It comes and it goes. And so these things, while they may bring momentary joy, momentary blessing, happiness for a time, these are not things that last. And yet... How much time do even the people of the church spend time pursuing the things that this world says will bring you happiness? Now, some of these things are necessities at some level. Well, we can take money, for example, right? Or education. Say, so, well, you need some measure of education. So not all of these things are necessarily bad. Money's not necessarily evil. In fact, People misquote the scripture when they say, well, money's evil. No, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, education is evil. We just need to 
open our mouths and rely on the Holy Spirit. Let him speak through us. No, God says, study to show thyself approved unto God, right? We need to learn to read and study, and it's good thing. It's a good thing to be educated. Well, health, who cares about health? Live however you want. No, the Bible says it speaks a lot about gluttony, right? And talks about getting rest. And the Bible teaches us to have good health, right? In fact, over in the New Testament, Paul, as he writes, he says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God? You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God, not just in your spirit. He says, in your body and in your spirit, which are God. So we could think about all those things and how they might bring some measure of happiness and joy. The difference between what the world says gives you a blessed life and what God says brings you a blessed life is the things of this world will pass away. And the things that the Lord gives us and the things that the Lord says we are to be pursuing after are things that will last. So let's read together as we've been doing the last several weeks, verses 1 through 12. And I'm going to ask you this time, when we get to verse 3, to read it out loud with me, okay? I'll read verse 1 and 2 out loud alone, and then you join me on verse 3, and we'll read all the way through verse 12. Hopefully you have your Bible in your hand. If you don't, it'll be up on the screen. Verse 1 says, And seeing the multitudes, he, this is Jesus, went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, here we go, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Jesus here preaching initially to a primarily Jewish audience gets up and gives them this whole list of blessings of how to have the blessed life. Tonight we're going to focus on verse number six which says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, when I was growing up in church, in junior church, Sunday school, we would often do something that is still referred to sometimes as a sword drill. And what this meant was, is a scripture passage would be given out and there would be a race to see who could look up the verse the fastest. Now, it's really not fair here tonight to do a sword drill because you have you carry this technology around in your pocket and some of you are like, well, you flipping through your Bible, I'm over here going to tap on my screen three times and have the verse. So I'm not going to make us do a sword drill tonight because chances are the people with the phones would win all of the sword drills. That being said, 
I do want to invite you tonight to at least write down these references. Some of them are longer passages that we're going to look at tonight. And you can please turn with me to these passages to look at them. Tried to list some of them there in your notes as we think about this idea. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I'm going to read a lot of scripture tonight. So some of this really is sermons and studies all to itself, just in these other passages of scripture. But I would encourage you tonight, later on this week, to sit down with this list of references. And whether you're flipping through a paper copy of God's word or you using your finger on a phone, to look up these scripture passages and spend some time meditating on this truth and asking yourself, all right, Lord, this is what this says. Now, how do you want me to live? Because I want for us, as we study the Beatitudes, not just to be caught up in the beauty and the poetry of these verses, but to be able to make it really practical and helpful for us in our life. I've broken this Beatitude down into three points, and you might break it down differently, but the first one I want us to notice tonight is that righteousness is the future hope of those who hunger and thirst for it. Righteousness is the future hope of those who hunger and thirst for it. Notice here in the verse, verse number six, it says at the end, for they shall be filled. This is future tense. In other words, it's not all realized today. It's something that filling, or that word could be satisfied, that satisfaction comes, but it's full realization is something that takes place in the future. Think about it. If you were to sit down to a meal, I got to have a wonderful meal today at lunchtime. You sit down for a meal and you're hungry and you see all the food laid out and you go and you fill your plate or your plate is filled for you and handed to you and you look down. You're not full yet, are you? In fact, you might even feel more hungry as the smells go into your nose and you're thinking about the food and your mouth is watering. Some of you didn't eat supper tonight, so you're feeling hungry right now. And you're not full until you've finished the meal, right? And so I want you to understand this filling of righteousness that is promised to us is like a meal in the sense that it's not filling us yet. It's something that we're working to be filled by. It's the future hope. Two verses over in Job chapter 9. Are these references in your notes, by the way? Job chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. Are these listed in there for you or no? I don't know if Lisa had time to type them in. All right, you can write them in. Job 9, 1 and 2 say this. Then Job answered and said, that's a really short verse. That's verse 1. Verse 2, I know it is so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? Job asked this question. How can a man be just with God? How can he be righteous is really his question here. Isaiah 55 verses 1 through 3 help to answer that question for us. In fact, Isaiah the prophet, chapter 55 verses 1 through 3, uses this idea 
of being hungry and thirsty. And he says this, ho, like, hey, listen up. Everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, that's you and me, right? You say, well, I don't have any money. No, he's talking about spiritually dry, spiritually empty people, spiritually people who have no ability to purchase anything for themselves. He says, come ye, buy and eat. How do you buy something when you don't have money to pay for it? Yea, he says, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. How do you buy this? If you have no money, well, it must be a gift, right? Wherefore, do ye spend money for that which is not bread? That's people living after the pleasures of this world, looking for something that doesn't satisfy. They're, they're spending money, so to speak. They're spending time, spending energy, trying to gain these things that don't bring satisfaction. Look at the second part of verse 2. He says, and your labor for that which satisfieth not. How much work is spent on things that doesn't satisfy, that don't satisfy? Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. After what? After righteousness, for they shall be filled. These other things won't fill you. Righteousness fills you. He says, let your hearken diligently unto me and eat ye that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. You say, this is Old Testament. We don't even, you know, Jesus hasn't even lived yet at the point Isaiah's writing. But where is the hope, right? Where is the bread found? Where is the water found? It's found in the relationship with God. And he talks about, I'm going to make a covenant with you. God made a covenant with his people. In other words, this thing of looking forward to satisfaction, of looking forward to being filled by righteousness is a future hope of those who are hungering and thirsting. In other words, if you have a desire for this righteousness, if you have a desire to walk with God, you can take great hope in the future fulfillment. You will be filled. Jesus, and I almost just parked in this one passage just tonight. It's so good. Luke 18, verses 9 through 14, Jesus told a parable about two men who went up to the temple to pray. One was a known as a publican. He was a tax collector. The other was a Pharisee, a religious man, a man who had great education, who wasn't just educated, he also practiced his religion. He lived out what he believed. And these two men came to pray, and it says, and he spake this parable, Luke 18, verse 9, he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Some people say, well, I don't need to be filled with God's righteousness. I'm already righteous, right? And they despised others. Verse 10, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. 
What a proud man. First, he lists all these sins that he doesn't do. And you say, well, he could be just in saying that he had never done those things. But then he looks over at the guy next to him. I'm not even like this publican. And then listen what it says. He goes on to talk about all the things he does. Verse 12, I fast twice in the week. I go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. I'm even here on a Wednesday night. I, I give tithes of all that I possess. I give in the offering plate. I, I give to missions. I give to all the needs of the church. Verse 13, and the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote his breast saying, God, be merciful to me a sinner. See, this publican recognized who he was, that he was not righteous. So before we read the last verse of this section, verse 14, I want to ask you a question. Which man do you think hungered and thirsted after righteousness? Was it the publican or the Pharisee? The publican or the Pharisee thought he was already righteous. The publican he was hungering and thirsting after righteousness. He knew he wasn't righteous. He says, I tell you, this man, the publican, went down to his house justified rather than the other. So which one was filled with righteousness? It was the publican, not the Pharisee. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, put down. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Another way of thinking about this idea of hungering and thirsting after righteousness means we're willing to humble ourselves before the Lord and say, God, it's your way, not mine. God, I'm going to do it your way. I'm not righteous. You are righteous. I'm hungering and thirsting after your righteousness. I'm trusting in the future hope that I will be filled. Not that I'm already filled. I, I'm not righteous, but Lord, I know that you've promised your righteousness to me. And this is a challenge, I think, for every single one of us, no matter what stage of life we're in. You may be here tonight and don't know the Lord as your Savior. You are in sin and you don't have Christ's forgiveness. I want you to know he'll forgive you. He'll give you his yeah. righteousness if you'll come to him. Amen. Just like Amen. a hungry thirsty person that needs food to be satisfied physically, you can be satisfied spiritually in Jesus Christ. But friend, you may be here tonight and say, oh, I know Christ. I was saved months ago, years ago, decades ago. Don't get so full of your own righteousness that you no longer need to be filled by the righteousness which comes from God. See, righteousness, the filling of righteousness is a future hope for those who hunger and thirst for it. Sometimes we think, well, I, I've arrived. I'm now doing all these things. Therefore, I am filled with righteousness. I mean, sure, I mess up from time to time, but I am a good person now. But I think for the believer, we must continue to hunger and thirst after righteousness. And this is what Jesus says gives us the blessed life. 
is to continue to. Sometimes we think, well, when I am able to accomplish all this stuff, then I'll be happy, right? Because now I'm doing everything right. I'm reading my Bible every day. I'm doing all this good stuff, and, and I don't have any problems. I'm not struggling with sin anymore. No, that's not what he says brings happiness. He says the happiness comes, the blessed life comes as we hunger and thirst after righteousness. We continue to hunger after because then we shall be filled. Don't stop being hungry for righteousness. Don't let yourself become satisfied by the things of this world or think, well, I can have some of God and some of this. And as long as I have enough of, of God and a relationship with him, then I can fill up all the rest with the things of this world. Those things will never satisfy. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. So number one, righteousness is the future hope of those who hunger and thirst for it. Number two, righteousness is the gift to those who hunger and thirst for it. it, it it's a gift. It's something given to you. Like we looked at Isaiah 55. I want to read a few more scriptures to you because it says here, they shall be filled. This is something you can take great confidence in and it's something that will bring complete filling. It's this gift given to you, not to fill yourself. This verb here, shall be filled, it's in the passive tense. We're talking about English majors today and people who have their doctorate in English. It's not me. But I do understand passive tense versus active tense in a verb, right? Passive tense means the action is being done to you. Active tense means you are the one doing the action. So the filling is not something you're doing to yourself. It's something that's being done to you. You're being satisfied, not by what you do, but by what God gives you. My righteousness is not my own. Your righteousness is not your own. It's been, the big word is imputed. It's been given to you. It's been placed on your account. It's something that God gives to you, not something that you earn. A lot of people trying to earn their own righteousness and prove their own worth and their value. We see this as People walk around in pride. Don't say that against me. Who are you? Look at me. You know, um, the, the macho uh, attitude that sometimes we carry around. Self-preservation. I can do this on my own. No, you can't. You can't make yourself righteous on your own. Psalm 40, verse 6 says, Sacrifice and offering thou didst not desire. Mine ears thou hast opened. You can't earn righteousness with God just through sacrifice and offering, just through doing a lot of good things. Psalm 49, 7, none of them can by any means redeem his brother. Somebody says, oh, if I do really good stuff, I'm going to save my brother. No, you won't. You can invite him. You can share the gospel. You can be a good testimony to him. But it's only God who saves. Nor give to God a ransom for him. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required I wrote in my notes, indulgences don't work. There's a whole belief system that was propagated and used to finance many of the large, incredible buildings that the church in Rome built throughout centuries. You know, St. Peter's Basilica, St. Paul's, you go on and on. They were financed, many of them, through the sale of indulgences. What were the indulgences that were being sold in the Catholic Church? It was you being able to pay off the sin of your friends, yourself, your family members, even if they'd already died, so that they could have less time in purgatory and get to heaven. 
Well, let's read that verse again. Psalm 49, verse 7. None of them can by any means redeem his brother, Amen. nor give to God a ransom for him. Well, the church told me I could. Sorry, the church doesn't get to contradict the word of God. Righteousness is the gift to those who hunger and thirst for. It's not something that can be bought. It's not something that you can buy for somebody else. It's something that they must receive as a gift given to them. Those who hunger and thirst after it. Isaiah 53, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes, we are healed. We are healed. See, righteousness is the gift promised to those who hunger and thirst after it. All we like sheep have gone astray. We all need this righteousness. We can't get it ourselves. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord hath laid on, praise God, on him the iniquity of us all. He didn't lay it on us because we couldn't pay for it. It was on us. He took it off of us and laid it on his son, Jesus Christ. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison, from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence. Neither was there any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. Do you hear what God did to his son for you and for me? It pleased the Lord to bruise him. What kind of father would be pleased through bruising his own son? Say that's either an abusive father or a father that loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many our hope is in knowing Jesus Christ. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death and he was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressions. 
Paul wrote it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. He will fill you with his righteousness. Not with your own righteousness. You're not going to fill yourself up. This is what God did for you through Jesus Christ. That's why those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness are blessed. Because they understand it's not their own righteousness. They understand this is not righteousness that passes away. This is not righteousness that runs out. This is not righteousness that isn't enough. It, it fills you. It satisfies you. It gives you everything you need. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I want you to see thirdly from this beatitude tonight. Righteousness is the present blessing to those who hope in the future promise. Remember, we started out talking about it. it's something that happens in the future, but there's also a present blessing. Even though we still live in this mortal flesh that will continue to fail us. But there's a present blessing. So I don't want you to think, well, my whole life is just striving and working and trying to be filled with his righteousness and it's just going to be filled with pain and anguish and heartache and there's no hope. No, there's lots of hope. And there's present blessing and present joy to be had, to be enjoyed right here in this life, even though the, the future blessing is far greater than any blessing that this present life could give us. Right. Psalm 32.1 says it very simply, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. That's present blessing. Yeah. Future, yes. But I don't know about you, but I love and I'm thankful to be able to live a life knowing that my sin has been covered. It's been forgiven. Boy, that frees you to live life, doesn't it? It frees you to spend your life in service to somebody greater than yourself because my life is not my own anymore. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Why? Because of the mercies of God, because of what God's done for you. Romans 4, 3, what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. By grace are you saved through faith. He believed God and God gave him righteousness. See, there's, there's present blessing to those who hope in the future promise of being filled. John 6, 35, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Present blessing. How about Revelation 22, 17? And the spirit of the bride say, come. And he that heareth say, come, and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Really, my friends, are we caught up living a miserable life because we're chasing after things that will never satisfy? Or are you spending your life hungering and thirsting after that which can satisfy, that which can fill you, 
the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. One commentator I read said it this way, how does this hunger and thirst for righteousness become fully satisfied? By the imputation or Christ's merits being placed upon us. Thus we obtain a righteousness of state by the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Thus we obtain a righteousness of inner condition and outward conduct. These two are inseparable. Those for whom Christ died are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, those whose sins are forgiven render the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Romans chapter 8, verse 3 through 5 say this, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son, in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law see this hunger and thirst after righteousness not the righteousness of the law that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit you and I couldn't fulfill the righteousness of the law on our own but because of the work of Christ in us and through us, he fulfills the righteousness of the law in us. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. See this change, this process of growing in the righteousness of Christ, not just his imputed righteousness, but now growing in sanctification of being more like Christ. There's great joy in this, great blessing that comes as God changes you, as he works in you little by little, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, as we look in the mirror, right, of the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Are you being changed? Are you being filled 2 Thessalonians 2.13, this is my final passage tonight, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. Brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. It's a future promise. But there's present blessing. It's a gift. What are you chasing? What makes you happy? A lot of this world, they find happiness in a substance or a person or a place. And then they have to run and get a little more and another hit and another time again and then again. And then they have to get even more of what they have because it just never brings complete satisfaction. Hungering and thirsting after righteousness is something that the more you get, the more satisfied you begin, you become. And it's not something that runs out. It's just something you want more of. Because the more we have of Christ, the more we are like Him, the more we get to experience fellowship with Him. That personal relationship, isn't it great? You know what I'm talking about. I think some of you, 
when you can just go to the Lord in prayer and you don't feel like, oh, I need to confess all my sin right now because I've been walking with the Lord. But it's also great when you're struggling in sin to be able to go to the Lord and confess your sin and know that he's faithful and just to forgive us yeah. our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. It's a blessing to be able to walk with the Lord. That's the blessed life. It's a relationship with him. What are you hungry for? What are you thirsty for? Scripture says it ought to be righteousness because nothing else will fill you. But the righteousness that God gives, it will fill you. And He will fill you with it. That's what's really encouraging. You're like, oh, I'm trying to take more and I just can't handle it. No, God's going to fill you with His righteousness. He's the one that makes you righteous. Not yourself through all of your effort. It's really through submitting your way to Him or submitting yourself to Him. Lord, all right, I'll let you give me what I need. Lord, this situation that I'm in, I'm going to trust you. Lord, this person that I'm around, I'm going to trust you for direction, for wisdom. Lord, I, I want to do this. God says, just follow me. Submit to me. True joy comes in relationship with the Lord. Not just in doing stuff. Now, someone who's in right relationship with God will want to do stuff and serve him. But the doing of the stuff is not what gives us the relationship. The doing things for Christ is what comes out of a close relationship to him. Otherwise, we're trying to just earn our own righteousness. And we're right back to the same kind of thinking as somebody who's trying to earn their own salvation. May we hunger and thirst after righteousness. For in that we shall be filled. Lord, thank you for your word. We've looked at so much of it tonight, but really just flown through it. Lord, I pray that you'd encourage us even as we go back and rehearse and meditate upon this truth. Lord, may we be people who hunger and thirst after you. So many times we finish up our church things and go home. Some will flip on a TV, look at the phone, go off into mindlessness. So many times at work and with family and in other situations it's easy to default to just frustration and pride and anger lord may we seek and hunger for more of you or knowing that it is in you and your righteousness that we can be truly satisfied and filled in jesus name i pray amen amen